Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. That was a trailer from the movie Maleficent, which is the name is a play on uh, malevolent, which is the opposite of benevolent. Um, and I'd like you to show you the opposite of Maleficent right here. This is my new granddaughter. She was born. Um, I wish that the screen was a little crisper because you'd see a lot of pink, a lot of pink happening there. She's very, very cute. She was born on Friday morning, uh, Elizabeth Danielle, and we're going to call her Ellie. That's what her parents have told us. So we're going to call her Ellie. It's a cute name and a cute gal. So we're very grateful for uh, her being in the world. And um, if we could flip somewhere else besides that picture, somebody might pay attention to me as I talk for the rest of the time. I kind of brought that this morning, shoved it in there just to show it. So um, uh, what we're doing in this series is we're, we're looking at the movies uh, this summer, some of the movies this summer, not to promote them, not to bash them. The movie critics take care of that. But our goal is actually to look at the theme or the message behind the movie and then compare it, contrast it with what the Bible says about those same things. This is a lot of fun. You guys are enjoying your kettle corn. It's like we're at the movies, isn't it? This is awesome. Um, But anyway, we picked five movies that we think contain interesting themes that the Bible speaks to, uh, not because they're going to be the biggest hits this summer, but uh, because... They carry themes and topics that we really can relate to. Those are the best movies when you see on the screen something that sort of tugs at your heart and that you can relate to that or that you get fired up about or whatever it is. Uh, But we pick these movie themes because we think it's important for us to consider uh, them in light of what the Bible says about it. And this is certainly true of Maleficent. Um, It carries a theme that we all deal with, which is a theme of betrayal and uh, struggle with bitterness that we face. It focuses on the main villainess from the Sleeping Beauty storyline. In in fact, throughout the history of the character, she's actually known as the Mistress of Evil. And so this this movie actually is interesting because it it shows you Sleeping Beauty's story from uh, her angle, from Maleficent's angle. And you find out that she's, she actually started out fairly normal as a normal, well, a normal fairy with wings, you know, <laughs> like a crow. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, she, her, her emotional makeup started out kind of normal. Uh, and uh, she rises to be the land's fiercest protector. She has good intent for what's going on there, but she ultimately suffers a ruthless betrayal. And I'm not, you know, no uh, spoilers here. But uh, it turns her pure heart to stone. So she started out uh, with very good intent, and now she becomes bent on revenge. She faces an epic battle with the invading king's successor, and as a result, places a curse upon his newborn child, uh, Aurora, who is Sleeping Beauty. So the movie is really about bitterness personified in the character of Maleficent. It gives us a clear picture of what we all become 
when we are wronged and we just give in to the hurt and it takes us toward bitterness and we are changed by it. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly in March uh, this year, Angelina Jolie, who plays Maleficent in the movie, connected the theme uh, of the movie to human experience. This is what she said. It's about the struggle that people have with their own humanity that destroys and kind of makes us die inside. It's actually a very good picture of, of what happens when we allow bitterness to take root in us. It's, it's the dying inside. In fact, Maleficent is actually a picture of the reality of bitterness and what it can do to you. Her character and actions portray what happens when we just let it get into our system, begins to work its way through, and we allow the hurt to affect us that way. Bitterness, this is, this is what bitterness is. Bitterness is a fixed, intense, painful, resentful animosity towards someone. And we've all, we've all tasted at least the beginnings of that. And while this definition describes feelings, uh, it's really much more than that. The Bible says that bitterness is like a root that causes major problems in life if we let it plant in us. Major problems occur when bitterness gets into our system. Hebrews 12:15 says, "See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many." So we we have a role in this. There's something that can be done before bitterness takes a root in us. When it takes root, and grows over time and gets stronger and stronger, the more damage is done. It's, it's like a cancerous tumor that goes unchecked. It gets more and more difficult to reverse its effects. But thankfully, God has given us some real insight in the Scriptures for keeping it out of our system and learning how to deal with it. But before we launch into that, it's important to understand where the root comes from. Uh, th- this movie like I said, gives us a whole other side of the Sleeping Beauty story. And it shows us why Maleficent is the way she is. It, it actually parallels real life and the whole progression that, of bitterness. You can see this in the movie. It begins with an injury of some kind. Malef- Maleficent uh, was betrayed. That's, it's hard to say sometimes. Um, Maleficent uh, was betrayed by Aurora's father. That's, that's what happened. He was a king. Um, and we get betrayed. We get hurt. Somebody breaks a promise. Somebody attacks us for no apparent reason. Or we perceive that they attack us. We take what they say in a certain way that hurts. Um, we get overlooked in a circumstance. We're left out of, of something. And we're hurt. We're injured. And then that turns into anger. So we're hurt. We feel wronged. We're, we, the sting and the pain that come from the injury are very real. And it turns into anger. Now, anger actually in Scripture is sort of a neutral energy. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, an emotion. It, it kinda, and 
Anger is sort of a normal thing that happens to people, but it's what you do once you become angry. What do you allow uh, to happen after that moment? But you get angry. One, the wrong direction for the anger is that ill will starts to set in for the person who hurt you. That's the wrong direction. You don't like what they did and you want them to pay. That's, that's the way it can go. This is certainly Maleficent's approach. This is what she did. The anger then, if you go that direction, the anger turns into resentment. Resentment is a deep-seated ill will that begins to settle in you. And this is the idea of the bitter root from the passage. It's not, it's not just talking about a shallow root, but a deep-seated root. And this is what resentment is. It's starting to plant in your heart. And in your mind. And the anger and hurt gets amplified as you play the uh, event over and over and over and over again. You rehearse the offense. And it's like hitting repeat on the music player. It's just, it's coming, it's looping back and back and back. And you, you aren't letting it go. This grows into bitterness. Like I said, a fixed, intense, painful, resentful animosity towards someone. The writer of Hebrews is reminding us of what hangs in the balance as we start down this path, as we deal with the hurts and the disappointments and the pains of life. He's showing us this. He says, we can miss the grace of God by not handling the anger the right way. We can miss it. God's grace is what holds our relationship with Him together. It's actually... The reason we have a relationship with God. Because He is gracious. And He is willing to forgive our sin before Him. If we'll turn to Him and and seek Him out. And give our lives to Him and trust Him with our lives. But it's His grace that actually makes our relationship with Him possible. And it's the motivation to relate rightly to others and be gracious toward them. If we don't work for peace in our relationships and we overlook the grace of God toward us, we don't experience the fruit of God's grace. We begin to experience the fruit of bitterness. If we allow hurt, anger, resentment, bitterness to grow, grace gets choked out. And boy, the, the, the fruit that we have from that is not good. Because over time, bitterness contaminates our relationships and robs robs us of joy. It just squeezes the joy out of life. It chokes it out. When bitterness grows up and causes trouble to defile many, like the verse says, there's one or two approaches that follow from that. Uh, The first one is uh, we develop a victim mentality. You feel like life's happening to you. Life is happening to me. I'm out of control. I can't do anything about it. You give up on finding a way to make things better. You think, I'm doomed to these thoughts and these feelings. And you're in a loop. And you're circling. And you're going around and around and around. And, and doom is a very bad feeling. If you think, this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life, that's horrible. That is a horrible feeling. But that's sometimes what happens. I just can't find the stop button, the pause button, the eject button on that, those thoughts and emotions that keep swirling around me. 
So we can develop a victim mentality. In reality, we have a choice as to what to do when our emotions well up and our thoughts begin to swirl. We're going to look at what we can do in a few moments. But bitterness can also lead, or or injury, anger, can also lead to the second uh, response. And when you get bitter, this tends to be what you choose as well, revenge. This is Maleficent's approach. In in the same interview I mentioned uh, prior, Jolie candidly describes her own Maleficent moments in her life when anger brews because of some wrong done to her. And this, this is a really good description of it. I think you get to the point where you think, please don't make me angry. Please let me be. Leave me alone. And then you go through a period of which we all have as people, you know, feeling hurt and feeling judged and feeling attacked. And then there's that moment of, well, if you're going to call me evil, I'm going to be evil. And watch how evil. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you can get angry to the point where it's like, okay, no more Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy. And you start letting people have it. That's, that's revenge. That's, that's a very dangerous place to be. Revenge, actually, in Scripture, is uh, something that belongs to God. God alone. So if we, if we take revenge, we actually step in to His place. It's a dangerous spot. We don't want to go there. So how do we turn our hurt into help? How, how do we make the shift as we're dealing with anger and hurt and walking through it. Well, it's God's grace that keeps bitterness out of our system. It's the grace of God. That's what Hebrews said. Hebrews said that we're to see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And we miss the grace of God when we forget that God has completely forgiven us by His grace, not by our own works. It's by God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we have nothing to boast about in terms of our relationship with God. Here's the perspective of Scripture on grace. God made us. When you are someone who is made by someone else, it's right that you honor them, that you obey them for making you, for giving you life, for blessing you with the the freedom to live. But the Bible says instead of obeying God, we've rebelled, every one of us. We've gone our own way, and that rebellion has separated us from God because He's holy. This is the reason it separated us. He is holy and morally pure. And so there's this separation between ourselves and Him. And we we could not, something impure could not survive in His presence. So our sin and rebellion has created a debt. It's stacked up a debt that we owe God because we should obey Him. He made us. He's our Maker. God loves us, and He wants us to be able to relate to Him and walk with Him in His presence. And so He made a way back into a relationship with Him. He he figured out how to make it right. People naturally try to bridge this separation between themselves and God uh, by doing all kinds of good works. 
and uh, to make up for the wrong done, because we innately sense this wrong, we know in our conscience, in our heart of hearts, we know we've wronged God, and so we try to make up for it by paying the debt we owe. We try to do all kinds of good things. We try even try to get religious. You know, maybe we try to do religious stuff or we try to do good things or whenever we have the opportunity, we're serving people, helping people. We're this is we we have this tendency to try to make up for it that way. And this is this is all very important to understand when you're dealing with bitterness, our our place before God, where we're actually at with him without his help. So. Uh, the problem is not only our debt to, to God. It's enormous. There is, a, there is a debt that we owe Him. But the di- more difficult problem is that if we were to enter into God's presence and go on through eternity living with Him in His presence uh, without our sin being dealt with, we would... We would be consumed, we would be, we, and we would ruin, we would introduce infection into heaven. And so, um, what God did is He gave the gift of His Son to pay our debt. And through whom we are now morally pure. He, he sees those who trust their lives to Christ as forgiven because of Christ's work, not their own. That's grace. It's the grace of God that saves us, that, that we find forgiveness in. Not in our own works, our own deeds. So it's not because of what we've done, but it's because of what God's done. And, and this is interesting, okay? This is what makes our relationship with God secure, because we couldn't earn it, and so we can't lose it. It's a gift. It's something God's given to us. If you have turned from going your own way, which is the definition of repentance in Scripture, and you've decided to go God's way, He's forgiven you. If you've trusted Him with your life, He forgives you. Not because of the good things you've done, but because of the good that Jesus Christ did on your behalf, the substitute death that He died on the cross, that is the grace of God. That's, that's what Hebrews is saying. You don't want to miss that because if a bitter root grows up in you, you completely miss the grace of God. You don't understand the very basis of your relationship with God and the eternal life that He promises to give. That's the grace of God, that we have the privilege of relating to him through Christ and his work on the cross and the, the position of privilege that he's earned for us. He paid for it by his death and resurrection. God's grace is the only ground that we stand before God. It's the, it's the only reason we can stand before him and even talk to him and have a relationship with him. As the maker, he had every right to wipe the slate clean and start over again. But you know what? He had you and I at the very beginning when the first man and woman sinned. What you find in Scripture is that he had you and I in mind. He had every person that would be born on the face of the earth in his mind. And he was waiting. He's waiting patiently 
for everyone to be born and have the same opportunity to experience the grace of God. And, and that is what we don't want to miss. And so, in the Bible, what you see is a bitter root means that you have completely misunderstood the ground on which you stand before God. You've completely missed it. And we do this sometimes with things. But you and I, we need God's grace every day of our lives. Every day. Between now and the day we die, we're going to sin. We're going to mess up. And so we need the kindness and grace of God. If we forget this, we miss the grace of God. And our hearts begin to harden like Play-Doh that's left out of the can. You know, Play-Doh, leave it out of the can, it's kind of a bummer. We've got some that's getting old and, you know, I'm playing with grandkids and <laughs> it's just not as pliable as it used to be. And that's what happens to our heart. If, if we miss the grace of God, our heart gets hard toward the people around us who are being people, people being people. <laughs> you know, they hurt us, they disappoint us, they break promises. And, and uh, God wants us to learn in, in the... Uh, environment of grace and the grace that we walk in before him, he wants us to learn to have a different response to the people around us. Staying in touch with the grace of God allows us to develop the right response to hurt, to the injury that happens, to the offenses that occur in our relationships with people because they're going to happen. We're all human. Here are three ways to respond from Scripture that send us in the right direction. When we begin to get angry, when we're dealing with the hurt, here are three responses. The first one is this. Let it go for your own good. Forgive. That's, what, that's literally what the word forgive in the Bible means is to send it away. To let it go. And, and that's what we need to do. First of all, we, this, this, it's a wrestling match to do that. It's a straw. It's not easy. But this is what Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We, we go back to this passage on a regular basis because hurts, we're all in the danger of hurt growing into resentment that affects our system like cholesterol. And we need to develop the right habits to get rid of the bad stuff, to get rid of bitterness, anger, rage, uh, brawling, slander, those things. To forgive, like I said, means literally let it go. You send it away. You don't bring it up again, uh, what's been done, uh, once you've forgiven, once you've worked it through with the person. Um, and use it against them. You don't make them pay. There are two aspects or stages of forgiveness. The first one is decisional. I make a decision to forgive because God told me to do so. I just make a decision to forgive. Now, you can do that. If you have someone, resentment's building, bitterness is there. If you have someone in your life that you're, you're struggling with in this way, you can decide right now to send it to forgive. 
I'm God before you. I'm going to forgive them because you told me to. That's the first stage. The second stage is emotional forgiveness. That's a longer process. I keep working through the process of experience forgiveness emotionally. That's, that's the second stage. And I do that by, first of all, remembering the grace that God shows me over and over and over and over again every day of my life. So I remind myself, there's a passage in the Bible that actually says that uh, it gives the idea that we, we, once you've decided to follow Christ, now in life, in living, you are to be like trophies of the grace of God. You're to, you're to show everybody else what His grace is like. And to do that, you have to remember the grace of God that He's shown to me. And then, second thing is, ask God to help. Ask God to help to forgive completely. Now, I may need to go and talk things over with the person who's offended me. That may or may not be helpful sometimes. Um... But I may need to talk it through, let them know that they've hurt me. If you relate to someone on an ongoing basis, this is certainly the truth. Um, But I do whatever I can. The decision to forgive means I've decided to forgive and I want to experience the forgiveness emotionally. So I'm going to do whatever I can to get this right, to, to, to land at peace with the other person. And God, asking God to help to forgive, he's the only one who can help with this. We're, we're, if we're left on our own, it makes no sense sometimes to forgive what's been done to us. It, it doesn't. But the interesting thing is, one guy said, the longer we struggle with a problem, the more likely we are to define ourselves by that problem. We, we have to watch this. We, we think the anger and the bitterness and the resentment, we think, we think it's somehow, we, we can't let go of it, we need it, but it's ruining us. And it's not hurting the person we're angry with. It's not hurting them at all. So God tells us this for our own good. He's the only one that can help with forgiveness. He tells us this uh, for our own good. And you, you may be dealing with some deep-seated bitterness, and you, you may have been really hurt. And the way I picture it is the time frame for working through the emotional aspect of forgiveness is sort of like an accordion. Depending how serious the injury, it's going to take longer. You know, not so serious, less time. But God wants to walk through this with you. And he wants to display, he wants you to experience his grace as you're trying to figure this out. It's getting in touch with the grace of God that can free you from the bitterness you experience. That's, that's the key. So set yourself to deal with anger quickly and don't let get, bitterness get into your system. If it's already in there, go to God. Only He can help you with this. But what we need to do is stop looking at the wrong done and playing it over and over and over again and, looking, and then focus on the wrongs forgiven. It's not the wrongs done that are going to free you. But it's the wrongs you've been forgiven that will set you free in this. Second, make it a habit to follow Jesus' example. Now, Jesus had an interesting, you know, he was the Son of God. He was God himself. 
And so he shows us how to respond to injury. 1 Peter 2.23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is the reflex we need to develop. As, as we experience hurt, God, that, that was painful. That makes me mad. Would you help me to respond the right way? Now, you, the right way in some instances is to draw boundaries. That's not, that's not wrong. But as you, even as you draw the boundaries, you aren't going to get revenge. You're going to let God judge. And he judges justly. And so this is a reflex very different. You know, instead of retaliating, instead of going back and making threats, you, you trust God with it. And then the third thing is to give God time to make it good. It takes time. You know, we decide to forgive. Um, we, it takes no telling how long to experience emotional forgiveness sometimes. We need to keep, we keep wrestling with it. We keep struggling with it. That's the commitment. If you've decided to forgive, you keep wrestling. But then we need to give God time to make it good. And he, he's promised to do that. Story of Joseph and his brothers in the Old Testament. Uh, amazing story uh, of one guy who showed us how to do this, Joseph. Joseph was uh, one of 12 brothers. He was sold into slavery. Uh, when he was sold into slavery by his brothers out of spite, um, he trusted God. He was a fantastic slave. He said, well, here I am. I'm a slave. I'm going to be a fantastic slave before God. I'm going to do the best I can with this situation that he's presented me with. God blessed him, and he was promoted to be overseer of his master's household, who happened to be the captain of Pharaoh's guard in Egypt. Uh, Potiphar, the captain of the guard, his wife, uh, was attracted to Joseph. She accuses him wrongly of rape. He's thrown into prison. So that's the reward he gets from being faithful in the situation he faced. She throws him into prison. In prison, again, he makes the most of it. Um, he's faithful. The Bible says the Lord is with him. And the warden puts him in charge of all the other inmates. You see the pattern here. He keeps getting wronged, and he sets his heart before God to be faithful. The Lord's with him, puts him in charge of the other inmates, and uh, everything that goes on in the prison. After... Two promises. He's promised by two people to speak well of him to the Pharaoh. They forget. <laughs> After that, Joseph eventually rises to be number two in the land of Egypt. His brothers, in the midst of a famine, come before him. And they're, they're in a part of the world, extreme famine. They have to come to Egypt to ask for food or to pay for food. I think they had the money. They were pretty wealthy. They had the money to buy the food. But guess who they come before to get the food? Joseph. They come before Joseph, and they're afraid of a series of events. Long story. I'm trying to make a long story short. I don't want to make a short story longer. Um, but they come before Joseph, and they now realize this is the brother we sold into slavery. He knows who they are. They all know what's going on. And they're bracing. They're sort of cringing. What is going to happen? Look at what Joseph says. 
As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God, God used all of that that went on to put me in this unique position so I could take care of all the people in our homeland. That, that was what God did. Our, our lives can be like a cake, sort of like the ingredients of cake. You don't want to eat the ingredients, but I don't like raw eggs myself. You don't want to eat a raw egg. You don't want to eat the flour. You don't just take, oh, flour. Now, maybe sugar, okay? You might take a spoonful of sugar and, you know, go for that. But our lives are sort of like a cake. And the ingredients by themselves, the things that happen by themselves, aren't going to taste that great. But if you wait on God and you cooperate with God, you respond the right way to the injury and the hurt, baked together... It tastes good. He makes it good. He does right. This is what Joseph is saying here. Give God time to make it good for you. Commit to forgive. Commit to work through and struggle through emotionally. Wrestle with the anger, the resentment, or the bitterness. And ask God to help you. Ask God to help you to remember His grace and get in touch with His grace in a way that's going to help free you from the bitterness you experience. If you can't let it go, uh, talk to someone about it. Talk it out. Go to somebody who's walked with God for a while and ask them for help as you work it through. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning by looking at some next steps as the band comes up, uh, getting ready to lead us in the next song. Um, if you would, please take your connection card out of the program and complete any information you haven't yet been able to complete. And maybe you want to take one of these next steps I'm mentioning. But the first one would be to memorize Hebrews 12:15, just as a reminder. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Great verse to memorize. <clears throat> um, a second step would be to pick one of the ways to respond rightly to hurt. Um, let it go for your own good. Um, make it a habit to follow Jesus' pattern of responding to hurts. Or uh, give God time to make it good. Which one of those makes most sense for where you're at right now? And then another step would be to attend the rest of the series. We'd love to have you back. As we continue to match up God's wisdom with the uh, themes of the movies. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in Scripture that really does set us free. And I pray, God, as we've heard what you say about these things, bitterness and struggle and forgiveness, God, I pray that you give us the freedom by your grace to follow you and to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.